Smarties, we are very excited to talk to you about metacognition today. But before we do, we wanted to wish everybody a happy and healthy holiday season. In this episode, we discuss what metacognition is, why it is important, and how to have reflective and reactive conversations to encourage metacognitive awareness. We also each share a real-life example of metacognition in action in each of our practices. Smarties, if you are interested in working with our practices, feel free to sign up for a phone call on our website. So Steph's practice is My Ed Therapist in Redondo Beach, California, and everywhere. And you can sign up for a phone call at www.myedtherapist.com. And my practice is CAP Educational Therapy Group in Beverly Hills, California, and everywhere we specialize in learners with ADHD and or executive functioning skills challenges. And you can sign up for a phone call on our website, www.capedtherapy.com. That's CAP with a K and two Ps. Let's dig it. You want to learn faster, but sometimes working harder is just not the answer. You have to learn smarter. The Educational Therapy Podcast. Hi, Smarties. Welcome to episode 239 of Learn Smarter, the Educational Therapy Podcast. I'm Stephanie Pitts. And I'm Rachel Cap. And Steph, I don't know about you, but when you said 239, I was like, whoa, it's a lot of episodes. <laughs> it is a lot of episodes. But the other day, I thought we were in 300 for some reason. So I don't know. <laughs> I know. I know. And we recorded in the 250s the other day. I didn't have any reaction to it. But like somehow you saying that uh, blew my mind a little bit. Uh, that's funny. That's funny. Okay. So this episode has been on our list for a hot minute. At least two years. Probably longer. At least. So what are we talking about today, Steph? Metacognition. So what is metacognition? Let's talk about it. So the easiest way to define it is knowing or understanding how you learn and how you do things. It's being thoughtful, reflective, and self-aware. It's an understanding of how you are doing things, why you are doing things. And in order to have this deep, profound self-awareness, I firmly believe it has to happen in conjunction with another person who is reflecting back to you, which is why you can't do therapy by yourself. You have to be with another person. That's why therapists have therapists because they can't be... They can't be their own therapist. Right. So from the educational therapy perspective... Metacognition is really important for the learners that we work with because some of our goals include self-advocacy, and you have to be able to predict what is going to be challenging for you to know when and how and what to ask of somebody. The reason why we're even having an episode about this and encouraging you either as an therapist or a parent to talk about this is kids don't know what they don't know. And they don't know what they don't understand. And that is the big stopgap. Parents are always like, email your teacher. Okay, but what? They don't know what's being asked of them. Or they don't know that they were supposed to do that in that way. Sometimes things get confusing. And when they don't know that they didn't know, that's very hard to ask them to do something when they don't know. So helping them and asking the questions and how to have conversations about self-awareness is really important. 
how do you have these conversations about self-awareness in the classroom, at home? What are they noticing? Are they noticing other kids doing things and don't quite understand quite yet what they need to do? Does it take them a second? It all depends on the age as well. But let's talk about a couple of questions that you can ask to help them with their self-awareness. The most important thing about having conversations around metacognition or self-awareness is that it has to be reflective and reactive in the moment. It can't be like a family sit down where everybody is like, okay, let's talk about how we experience things. No, it's in the moment. It's reactive. It's current to what is taking place. And I think the most important part is that it is reflective with someone that they trust. So this can be problematic with parents of teenagers. A teenager doesn't want to hear from their parent. What I am noticing is you do fill in the blank a lot. Mm -hmm. That's not productive. It's usually not good for the parent-child dynamic. Whereas in an educational therapy setting, me saying that to a client is way less threatening. I'd love to give an example. I have a client, he's a 10th grader struggling with EF and ADHD. And one of the things we have been really focused on this semester is active studying techniques Mm -hmm. and the differences between active and passive studying. And we've done episodes on this in the past, and we'll go ahead and link those episodes in the show notes if you want to learn more about what I mean by that. And he was sharing about a test that he had taken. And for whatever reason, the calendar had worked out that I was not involved in his preparation for that test. And my client said to me, okay, I went through and I figured out what I knew and what I didn't know, which is an active studying technique. And then he said, but Rachel, everything else I did after that was really passive. And I was like, okay, that to me was huge that he was able to reflect back. And I had given him the language to understand what had actually taken place. I didn't have a problem that he fell back on old habits because he showed a profound and deep awareness about what he had actually done. And that is the type of reflective work that we want our learners to be able to have. And you have to have the foundation because we had to have that conversation and the language around it. And then he had to experience and then the reflection back was the essential piece. Definitely essential. But I want to go back for a second because you said something about how it needed to be in the moment. Yeah. I don't think that's always true. I do think it can be true. Okay. But I don't think that is always true because... Well, the example you just gave, it was over a period of time. He might not have said that before he got the test back. It was after he had gotten the test back. What I mean by in the moment Mm -hmm. is that something happened and then something happened. There was a consequence to an action. Right. So we're being clear about in the moment being not in advance or not like literally in the moment when they're doing something. No. Sometimes you can, Mm -hmm. but not always. Right. So not going back and talking about a test last semester. We're talking about a test that they just got back. You know, we were talking about, okay, what happened? What went down? Exactly. With this client that I'm thinking of, it can be very simple. Spelling is counting more than I realized it was going to count. And I really need to focus on that. I had a conversation the other day with a client that was about citing sources. Okay. And some perfectionism got in the way because the sources weren't enough in alignment with what she was trying to say. And she couldn't find what she wanted. 
She had an idea of what she wanted to say, and she couldn't find the sources that helped support what she wanted to say. Therefore, it didn't get in on time. Okay. So we had a big conversation about this, like what happened? Why did it happen that way? Do we need to make sure that we're not going in with so many things decided before we find the sources? Or can we find the sources and then make the decision? And how are we going to approach it in the future when those types of essays are assigned? So those little pivots are important. And so it's not punitive. No. It's curious. And so please, educators, parents, everyone, take it from a point of, could we look at this from another angle? And how can we ask questions to help our students look at it from a different angle if they feel stuck? I think that's the critical piece because the results of both stories that we shared was the client didn't turn it in on time, Mm -hmm. which is obviously the parental goal Mm -hmm. and the client's goal. And then the story that I shared he didn't do well. Yeah. So if you're only results-oriented and results-based and you leave it at that, it does not open up an opportunity to do better and deeply understand what happened in order to do better next time, mm-hmm. which is why for me, specifically partnering with the parents and letting them know that we had discussed this and I was good with what had happened. And I'm sure you did the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. With her parents, hey, I'm on this, Mm -hmm. and I'm good with what happened because look what happened after. Yeah. We're teaching them how to hold themselves up, right? You've got to learn what happened when you fell down and how you can pick yourself back up and not have it happen as often or as significant or whatever word you want to use in the future. Exactly. Metacognition. It's great. (laughs) It helps. Those are my words of wisdom for the day. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Smarties, have a great week. Have a great week.